Well, if you're new to us, for several weeks now, we've begun a, an execu- uh, a consecutive expository series subtitled Seeing Jesus Together in the Gospel of Luke. We're trying to get a, a better view of our great and beautiful Savior, and Dr. Luke is going to help us in so many ways. So far, we've looked at the preface, and that's in verses 1 and 4 of the first chapter, and then the visitor in chapter 5, 25, when an out-of-this-world being an angel named Gabriel showed up, and then he wasn't through. He showed up again to Mary last week in what we call the Annunciation in verses 26 through 38. But the story goes on. And you're going to see where God, this family of Zacharias and Elizabeth and Mary, these two connections come together today. Our scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. And once again, remind you, This is the word of the living God. Hear it with careful appreciation. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask his blessing upon it. 
Father, now we once again ask to see light in your light for the illumination of the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and show us, Father, how to receive the engrafted word in meekness. We pray this now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. What would make you celebrate wildly without any inhibition? Think about that for a little time here. Now, fast forward over to my home and our refrigerator. And on the side of our refrigerator... There is a, one of those uh, magnets, you know, that uh, that's, we got a lot of us have plaster all over uh, for various reasons. And one of Louise's and my favorites is a, on a, one of those magnets has these three lines. Dance like nobody's watching. Love like you've never been hurt. And sing like no one's listening. You ever been around somebody that's singing like nobody's listening? Well, today, we're going to see that the Virgin Mary sang like nobody was listening. She sang what is called the Magnificat. You can see on the screen the title of the message this morning. The, the question is, what is the Magnificat? No, it's not my beloved Tinkerbell yellow cat, a Magnificat, get it? <laughs> no, it's not that. That's not the Magnificat. The Magnificat, it's the song that Mary sang in response to God's favor on her. And the name comes from the first word of her song in Latin. And thus it reads, my soul magnifies or exalts the Lord. That's the Magnificat. It could be called in many ways, this song that Mary sang, the song of Mary. It could be called the gospel before the gospel. Now we can really go all the way back to the beginning of time. And after our first parents fell in their sin, where we hear the first inkling promise of the gospel to come, though not fully completed and filled out. But we could go all the way back to there. But there had been a lot of time, 400 years of silence. And now, here, we have angels among us. In this time. And this in many ways. This song that Mary sang is the gospel before the gospel. It's a bright shout of triumph. 30 something weeks before Bethlehem. 30 years before Calvary. Or Golgotha, 
and Easter. By the way, did you know that you wonder why? Why so many Easter songs? Why are we still singing Easter songs? Because it's still Easter time. Easter tide. It's still there. By the way, next week, is a, we're going to be celebrating Ascension. So that, that closes that out. But that's why we've been singing all of these wonderful songs about the resurrection. And yet, before any of that, here comes this song being belted out by this young girl, Mary, and exclaiming and magnifying the Lord. So here's the outline for today. The Magnificent goes like this. The Magnificat goes like this. Mary's salutation, that's another word for greeting, Mary's salutation, Mary's song, and Mary's stay. How about that, Steve? <laughs> I saw what you were doing. <laughs> All right. So Mary's salutation, song, and stay. Let's look at her, the salutation or greeting. That's, in, that's uh, in, in verses 39 through 45. Now, we've read this already, so I'm going to kind of now make comments on it. Of all the people that Mary knew, of all the people that she knew, in light of where she found herself, with this amazing news that the angel had brought to her, telling her she was going to be the mother of the Son of the Most High. You can't imagine what all must have been going through. And her also understanding, she knew this was going to happen, but it wasn't going to happen in a normal way. And this poor girl was no doubt flooded with so much uncertainty. And she knew it was true. She knew it would come true, but she didn't know how. But of all the people that Mary knew, one person would understand her experience better than all the others. And that person was Elizabeth, her elderly relative, perhaps a cousin. We also know that she too was the mother of a miracle baby, just like Mary was going to be. And at this point already was. But Elizabeth the mother of a miracle child was already six months into her pregnancy. So, Mary made a beeline to visit Elizabeth, right? It, we've all heard it. The straightest, uh, what, what is the expression? The shortest point, uh, something between two. <laughs> How does that go? The short, the, uh, short uh, line straightest line yeah, is the shortest, okay? Uh, whatever. I think you got what I was trying to get out there. Um, so, that's what she did, right? She went from up in the Galilee, straight down through Samaria, and into Jerusalem, and then on down to probably Hebron. Nope. <laughs> that's not what happened. I think we got a slide here. All right, let's look up here. Here's the Galilee, region of Galilee. Here's Nazareth. This is where Mary's from. But instead of doing this, whoop, straight line, that, why would they not do a straight line? You see that part? That's called Samaria. 
And back then, Jews and Samaritans, mm -mm, half-breeds, pure stock. They, 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 that's how it was seen. They would go around it most of the time, unless there was a huge caravan or whatever. So Mary doesn't, can't make a, a beeline. She ends up going, crossing the Jordan somewhere probably the valley runs right through here, probably in this area, then follows the Jordan River all the way down and then crosses back over to Jericho and then up the steep climb to Jerusalem and then from down to the hill country of Judea, probably Hebron, that area. Now, as soon as Mary greeted or saluted, whichever way you'd like to say it, her cousin, Elizabeth, felt her baby leap within her womb. And instantly, Elizabeth sensed that her unborn child recognized that Mary was the mother of the yet-to-be-born Messiah. I want to quote to you from uh, a familiar source. Can you picture these two women as they met? Here was one too old to be pregnant and the other barely old enough. The older of the two greets the younger with awareness and the sacred charge they both are bearing. These two women carried the two most important figures of history in their wounds. Elizabeth, without a word from Mary, recognizes that God would enter the veil with humanity as any other person does within the inner sanctum of a mother's body. By the way, that familiar author is Louise Greider uh, in my wife in her The Life of Christ. Some of you ladies have had the privilege of going through that uh, study with her. Now, try to wrap your minds. You're talking about mind-blowing. Try to wrap your minds around this fact. At this point, Jesus, who's only been just conceived recently, but not yet born, but who by the Spirit made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy in her womb and has made Mary giddy with excitement and energetic with song. How can that be? It is, as my former professor, Dr. John R. DeWitt, seminary said, it is an ineffable mystery. It is, but it's true. God's mysterious workings in wonderful ways. Now, I want to draw on an application because it's here. What do you think is, and I use is because they're alive. 
not on this world yet, but they're, they're, they're living. He's the God of the living, not the dead. What do you think is Mary and Elizabeth's view of children in the womb? How do you think they view that? Not only then, but how do they view it now? You see, the very least we can say is that they think unborn life is a special gift from Almighty God. And that the fetus is a baby. It's a child, brothers and sisters, not a choice. God help us. It's a child, not a choice. Secondly, we look to Mary's song that's found in verses 46 through 55. That's the heart, the meat of this. Mary was so eager to express her praise to God that she burst into song. She couldn't hold it back. However, we need to remember that Mary likely had no personal copy of what's right under all of you, a Bible. She didn't have an Old Testament scriptures in her iPhone. She didn't have even a copy, likely, of the scriptures. But how did this girl, young girl, how did she know so much about God's ways and promises? Well, she listened carefully in church, in synagogue. And she probably put much of this, of the great passages that she is blurting out now in joy, they were hidden in her heart from long ago. She listened carefully and set it to memory. However, like I say, she didn't have likely a copy. She must have listened, as I said, carefully and put many scriptures to memory. And her song is in many ways similar to Hannah's song. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10? I'm going to read just a little bit of that. Not the whole thing, but just a little bit of that. And then think about what you heard earlier and go back today and read this section of her song explicitly. Read it and see the parallels. 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10, some of these selected. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. There is no, none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. The Lord makes poor the poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make it sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and of them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. 
the Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Imagine that. Hannah was singing about Jesus to come, the anointed of the Lord, the exalted king. And Mary is echoing that now, those same sentiments. You see, Mary begins by expressing her desire to glorify the Lord and rejoice in him as her Savior. Did you see that? Did you hear that? Well, I thought Mary doesn't need that. She's the blessed virgin. She doesn't need that. Of course she does. And she knew it. I don't know why we have trouble not understanding it. She is desiring to glorify the Lord. And she rejoices in him because he's her savior. You know what, by implication, that means if he's her savior, that means she's a sinner. Mary was not sinless. Show me any place in the Bible that would suggest that. Mary was not sinless. She needed a savior like every other son and daughter of Adam. She knew that salvation was all of grace. And my friend and brother and sisters, you better know that it's all of grace. If you think it can, you can get there some other way or through some other means, you are foolishly mistaken. There is only one way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And Mary knew that God was her Savior. Then she praises him for the favor on her. Such favor that future generations would call her blessed. She knew that was going to happen. She was just Mary. But she knew that she stepped into something far bigger than anything she could have ever imagined. But also, she stepped into a lot of heartache and a heart, lot of heartbreak to come. But she was willing to do that in submission to the Lord. And then finally, she turns the focus once again on God, exalting Him. Her lyrics are lavish with those Old Testament references that I alluded to earlier and that we saw in Hannah's song. She praises Him for His mercy his mighty deeds, his power, his loving kindness to the humble, and faithfulness in keeping the promises of Abraham and his descendants. You notice there again, we see this recurring as some, we'd already seen that. But she knows that God is going to be faithful to his promises. And they go all the way back to Abraham, the promises of are going to be fulfilled in the seed of Abraham. And God is going to bring about a promise that will go worldwide to the nations, to the ends of the earth. She knew 
and had glimpse of what, how great the promises of God were. Brothers and sisters, we should praise God for keeping his promises even before those promises are fulfilled. You understand that? Even before the promises are fulfilled, we should thank him and praise him for keeping his promises because he cannot lie. He has no falling words. His promises cannot fail. And therefore, we can look around and no matter what's going on in the world around us, in the circumstances we find ourselves in, the craziness of our time and others through the generations, we can be as sure as anything beyond this world and in it that God's promises are going to come true. It doesn't matter what it currently looks like. In the end, he wins. And that is a comforting thought. To know that no matter how bad it gets, no matter what, nothing's going to stop his promises from coming true and being fulfilled for me and for you if you're in Christ. If you trust the Savior that Mary trusted. Now, verse 56, one verse, that's Mary's stay. We've looked at the, her salutation, we looked at her song. What does this Mary's stay mean? Well, Luke put it in there, not me. Interestingly, Luke records that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months. About three months. But the question is, why did she stay? Why didn't she hurry along and run on home? Well, we do not know for sure. But I'm going to suggest what I think are two plausible reasons. The first reason was that despite of all the wonderful promises, remember, just got through talking about them, she knew they were going to come true, but she sure didn't know how. She still was scratching her head about a lot of things. But the first thing is despite all those wonderful promises God had made to her, she had no idea what would happen when she got back to her hometown and to her fiancé and to all her friends and family and extended family. She knew that what's there is going to get more and more obvious. How in the world... Was she going to, I mean, the angel didn't leave her a script. Now look, here's what you do. First point, you say this, and then you say, uh-uh. she just said, okay, Lord, be it unto me. But no doubt as a young girl, she probably was wondering, how am I going to, to bring this and tell Joseph? You see, it would appear, and she knew it, 
it would appear to many that she had been unfaithful to her betrothal, to her very strong bound engagement. And she knew that eventually all of that little sleepy village of Nazareth would know. She didn't even know whether or not she would survive in the long run. She knew she would be able to deliver the promised one. But there would have been many questions. So maybe that's the reason why she stayed a while. Praying, getting, getting the gumption, whatever, to go home. But here's another reason, and I think maybe this is even more plausible. The second reason gave Mary an opportunity to ponder in her heart this great mystery that God had brought her into. He brought, he gave her the opportunity to be with Elizabeth and not be alone in this. You see, because if anyone could help her, she knew that Elizabeth, the mother of another miracle child, could. She thought if anybody understands being having miracles happen from God and the same angel, it's, it's Mary. I mean, it's Elizabeth. We need to stick together, sisters. You see, Elizabeth was God's gift to Mary. And I believe that's why, in part, for them to spend time together to ponder this great mystery. Young Mary could share Gabriel's words, but she could not be expected to fully understand and articulate this great mystery. But you know what? Elizabeth seems to have gotten things quicker. She's, she seems to, unlike her husband, <laughs> she got it. She understood. She, it's, she was quick. I mean, Mary never didn't get in the house good before she says, exclaims the way she does. She's already got a sense of what is going down and her place in it. You see, God had given young Mary a godly woman as her closest friend and confidant during this formative, incredibly turned up, wonderful, scary time. Also think of the fellowship they would have shared in this special time. If they, talking about, what is this going to be? You're bringing the forerunner and the Messiah. And I'm giving birth to the Messiah. How can this be? They must have just more and more wandered and pondered over these great things. Both were miraculously expecting. And Elizabeth was well past, practically speaking, think about it. She was well past her nausea. But that trial was likely coming soon, if not already, to Mary. In other words, if she took off heading back home, she might have gotten really sick and had trouble getting. So, she stayed with someone that could help her.
the other night I came home from uh, from the office pretty late uh, and um, there was a uh, bunch of Mexican music playing in my house and the smell of of uh, enchiladas and and uh, and if you can smell tequila, I guess that would have been there probably too. Um, and uh, I opened this back sliding door onto our Florida room, and there were these ladies, one of which is my wife, uh, and some other ladies uh, that were part of the uh, Bible study, and it, uh, they were just having a wonderful time of fellowship. And I could I just listened for a minute as they were talking to one another. And I was just thought, thought, Lord, what a beautiful thing. Here there were there were there were younger ladies there. There were somewhere in the middle age, and there were those with a little more maturity. And yet they're all together, just just rejoicing in the in the goodness of God learning, growing, being there for each other. Older women teaching and training younger women. And yet each of them benefiting symbiotically from each other. Older and younger together. You see, that's what I love about this church it is multi-generational. It's hard to be that. Plenty of people will tell you it's not easy. And it's not. You know that. It requires a lot of effort. But oh, how important it is. Instead of being all heavy one or the other, we need that interaction, older and younger, learning together and being encouraged helping one another. It was a beautiful picture of that. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not sure about this either. But just maybe, just maybe, these girlfriends, Mary and Elizabeth, found some time to get a little footloose and sing some more songs like nobody's listening. Amen. Father, thank you for this beautiful story that is real and speaks of something unimaginable to come. Father, for the promises that are yet to be ours. And Father, until then, as we walk through this world, Father, show us how to walk well together. Young and old, every generation valued and loved and protected and encouraged. Father, your grace, Father, is so amazing. And we thank you for it. Help us to walk in its light. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.